0: you're listening to your day brighter the podcast real reasons to have hope in this world hi i'm your host tracy tiernan and i am excited to share with you a very special conversation that i had with a legend his name is dr john perkins now he is sometimes referred to as being the father or grandfather of racial reconciliation he's a civil rights activist a Bible teacher, best-selling author, philosopher. He's an incredible man who has made a real difference in this world. And uh, what an honor to be able to introduce him to you and to really kind of dig in, you know, how he got to be who he is. How did he come to have this spark and this passion and this courage to speak up against racism, against racial oppression, and really to uh, lead a call to the church to do better. Dr. John Perkins, are you ready? Fasten your seatbelts. Now, the conversation took place in 2016. Uh, He is now 90 years old. Uh, I spoke to him a few years ago in 2016 when he was 87, and uh, he shares from his years of wisdom and experience. And above all, you'll get to hear his passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, which is really the catalyst for everything that his life has been about. So uh, get ready. Let's learn Dr. John Perkins on your day brighter. Dr. Perkins, what an honor to be speaking to you today. I want to get to know uh, how you got to be who you are. Uh, what really started this passion, sparked this passion on the inside of you to start speaking up for social justice, for racial equality, uh, to be a courageous voice really leading the civil rights movement. Movement. What started that?
1: Yeah, being in jail was a pivot. But I think, and I talk about that, but I think the key was my early day discipleship. I had something to draw on. See, when I was a disciple, I was a disciple somewhat in a multicultural environment Mm -hmm. in in the 50s. And and I was in California, and and the church was into a sort of revival after World War II. The missionaries had been back to the field, and nationalism was on the rise. And so colonization was being challenged. Africa was saying Africa for the Africans. Egyptians were saying e- Egypt for the Egyptians. Out of colonization, mm-hmm. you understand? Yeah. And so uh, I was, these predominantly white missionaries and some blacks, was coming back talking about that, and they were talking about indigenous development. And since I had lived in Mississippi for my first 16 years of my life, I didn't consider Mississippi white, non-black religion, because I wasn't either one. I wasn't religious. I did not consider it legitimate.
2: Mm. When
1: you would you would read the Bible and you would hear one thing, uh, all men are crazy, one God. Then when you look at the reality, it wasn't there. tricks people adjusted themselves to that. They accommodated themselves to that racism, both black and white. Mm-hmm. I did not do that, and the people who was discipling me didn't allow me to do that. You, you know so yeah. I was I was born at a certain time, converted at a certain time, uh, prior to and involved in the beginning of the Civil Rights Movement. So I had more information. Now, mm-hmm. when I got back to Mississippi, I found that condition in reality after I came to know Jesus Christ. And then naturally, I wanted to get on the side of, of justice.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: people ask me sometimes, they would say, when did you join the civil rights movement? That, that seemed like it took a lot of intelligence, and I didn't have enough intelligence to want to be free. I think human beings want to be free. Mm. If they haven't been in a religion that accommodated that injustice, right? And that's what our black religion did because of the oppression. I understand that, and that's what white folks did because of their economic advantage they had within it. Mm-hmm. You get that? idea?
0: Accommodating, perpetuating the system that's not working.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. right and, and 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 the against yo know, the biblical constitution is against our state constitution, and so what we were this church were living was un-American. Mm. the church was perpetuated un american wow in the in, in the society wow you, you, you know so but when I was locked in jail, I had this information, but I was on the side that was against the policemen are the folks who had locked us in jail. Right. You see that. And boy, but, I, but during that torture, uh, I remember the scripture. that, And I remember that. And I said I saw the evil within that room when we were being tortured. Uh, and, and if I'd have had an atomic grenade, I would have pulled a plug. But I also saw that my reaction would be just as bad as their actions. And we both were broken <laughs> I was broken, and they were broken. I was a sinner and and without being forgiven or had been asked to be forgiven. you, you could and, and so so I was broken. they were broken. And then I saw heard I said, "When I get out of this jail, I'd like to preach a gospel that I've heard Paul talk about. I'm not ashamed of this gospel because it is the power of God to, re- to reconcile Jews and Gentiles, black and white. Mm-hmm. So I remember that, and I said, if I get out of this jail, I really want to preach that gospel yes. that can be stronger than my economic interests, stronger than uh, my, all the other interests. I want to preach a gospel uh, that, can, that has the power to bring us together and to make us love each other Mm -hmm. and become friends of God. And now when I got out after making that premise, God then had to dissent me even more because I did not want to do that. I wanted to keep that hate as a reason to hate, (laughs) to justify my hate. And that's what we do.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: We, we, We take people were hurt. They hurt me. They said something against me. They don't like me. And we almost see that as an advantage
0: to condemn. Wow. Wow. See- you just blew my mind right there. <laughs> you just blew my mind right there. That is so true. We can almost see our victimization as an advantage. Now that becomes our power because we're going to hold you down because of a- after all, look at what you did to me.
1: Yeah, and and you owe me this. Right. You owe me forgiveness. But Jesus talked about it. We can't forgive those who trespass against us. How do you expect him to forgive us? And it's he alone that forgives sin, really.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's he alone, then, in his forgiveness, calls us to It is his forgiving for us. It is his guarantee of that forgiveness because he died on the cross just for the unguest to bring us back to God. Mm -hmm. So in the end, it's what do we think about God? (laughs) And what do we think about God is what we really think about the people around us. And that's why the great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength. And now we have this great possibility of loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. But it's going to take discipleship, learning about this. And if you don't know about this, you don't know that the Savior has come. You don't know the good news. You haven't been discipled in this good news that brings great joy. Then you're not going to know what to do. You're going to then go back to the culture.
0: Go back to the culture. Mm -hmm.
1: and our culture then captures us, and we didn't serve our culture.
0: Mm. And we've got a lot of uh, even even well-intentioned uh, f- uh, people that would call themselves Christians or Jesus followers, um, maybe more serving the culture than serving the Lord. Um, how, how do we help Christians to, to get it right, people that really want, to do the right thing, want to love God, and yet our hearts, like Jesus said, and yet your hearts are far from me. Um, how, yeah. how do we get our hearts right, Doctor Perkins? You, you mentioned discipleship. Um, what What is it going to take to change the heart of of the American church?
1: Uh, I, I think it's going to take like any other great principle of developing uh, uh, people. It's going to take modeling it out. You get ready to build a of- car, uh, automobile, a uh, house, you got a architect, you got a blueprint. Mm. The church and the Bible to be our blueprint. Mm. And and the Bible the teaching of Jesus, we shall not live by bread alone. We've been born into the spirit of God and so it's that discipleship and it's that worship and it's that fellowship. All of those together is the way we're gonna do it. And so why don't we develop multicultural churches? Yes. And then be, that's what Jesus sent us out to do, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of these creatures. And so I don't think just our programs are going to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, as Mark Gunnar said, uh, we've got to become, we've got to be that model. yes. What we talk about, loving each other, the idea is that that often begins for our discipleship in that when we come to know God.
2: Mm.
1: And then we, as a collective fellowship, uh, it's more than just us individuals. It's a collective body from which we draw our strength. Yes, you get that idea? And what which, which we draw is our environment. What we see. is the education we get and the culture we frame that in. You know, it's so it's no one shot deal.
2: Right. Right. You know.
1: It it can be a one enlightenment in terms of coming to know him. Mm. That can be a powerful the master's road experience. Mm. Or it could be a quiet experience. You hear God speak. But when God speaks, He's speaking for the good of the humanity. Yes, He's speaking out of His love for the totality of the humanity. But God so loved the whole world that He gave His only begotten Son. Mm. And, and 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 so churches like uh, Bridge Organization, like the one that we have to bring into existence, mm-hmm. the CCDA, CCDA, yep. the Christian Community Development Network. And then there's other networks that are going to this multicultural or church development.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think
1: we need to look at that, look at that. And, of course, we can get these information out so easy mm-hmm. by, or through our telephone and all that type of thing. So I, I think it's really how we shape the, the local congregation, mm-hmm. how we shape our outreach program. Yes, and in the midst of our outreach program, there ought to be some clarity in that.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: think that that can be good news
2: mm-hmm. to,
1: to kids who are struggling in game Tell them what are you struggling about, and they're gonna say it's economic. They're gonna say it's selling. You know, I have to sell these drugs to do this. Right, we have to do this there, and and then tell them that justice isn't economic. Yet. Justice is a stewardship issue. The people who run in the world don't quite own it. The earth is Lord and the Lord. So it's a comprehensive teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we sort of take it and try to put in, into one or two things. You do this. Well, human being is multifaceted human beings. Right. We are multicultural human beings. We're being shaped by the food we eat. we have been shaped by all of these things. And so we need a, a stronger truth, a, a stronger truth that says the end of all of this love is to become friends.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The end goal is to become friends. Yes. Become friends of God yes. and friends of each other. Yes. What a friend we have in Jesus.
0: Oh, my goodness, <laughs> all
1: yes. All sins and others, and Greece keep air. Mm-hmm. What a privilege it is for you and I to take that to God in prayer. So, you know, we got it there, but we're not listening. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We got it there, but we're not intentional. Right. And I think it's important that we say we are intentional here to be reconciled. We got to put reconciliation back in the initial gospel message. Yes. We have aided in an option. Mm. Some people are doing reconciliation and some people are doing this. Well, reconciliation is a very essence of what the gospel can do for us. God is in Christ. He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself mm. and has given to us, these human beings, this ministry of reconciliation. I think it's that kind of teaching that we that we gotta become peacemakers in the world.
0: Yes. Dr. Perkins, I um I, I can't express enough to you in this moment um my my gratitude for your for your life's work. Um thank you for teaching us, modeling what it looks like um, to love one another. Thank you for helping us to uh, see through the cloudiness that sometimes the politics bring about, all these things that in the culture that you were talking about that can bring so much division. And we think we're going after the right thing, but really we're missing it. And I, and you're so good at helping us to see clearly. And I just want to say thank you. Um, I just have um, one last question for you, then I know I, I have to let you go. But you're 87 years old, is that right?
1: Uh, in June the 16 I'll be 87. Wow. Yeah, I hear it. What I've asked you and your listeners. Um, uh, I, I'm trying to finish with the empty myself with what God has given to me, and I want to empty that into this multiculture church planning generation. Yes. And I'm not looking for a lot to condemn them, I'm embracing them. That's why I'm so thankful to be with Bridgeway this weekend
2: Mm -hmm. because
1: you folks there and you said, hopefully we are helping you, but y'all are modeling and out. And we all need each other to continue in this direction.
0: Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, Dr. John Perkins, thank you so much. What an honor to speak with you. I'll say it to you early. Uh, Happy early birthday. Um, (laughs) uh, Anything you want for your 87th birthday?
1: Well, I held fellowship with my, why, in my family, we need even in our family as we get older, we need that healing because when you got sort of patriarchs like my wife, she particular and myself and our old age, our family would need that guidance, that unity uh, to hopefully carry on uh, some of this heritage that we have poured into them and. And I want to pull that in to the greater society. Yes. So I think it's really what we need is prayer. Mm. What we need is prayer.
0: Prayer. May I pray for you?
1: Yes, please.
0: Oh, Father in heaven, precious Lord. Thank you so much, God, for um, for the life, for the gift of Dr. John Perkins. Uh, thank you, God, for not wasting uh, one tear, every uh, every pain that he's felt in his life. God, you have, you have brought beauty um, from those ashes. You have done a beautiful thing through this man and all the glory goes to you, God. I pray for your um, protection over him as he continues to live out his calling and his purpose. And I pray, God, for maximum impact. I thank you, Lord, that he is devoted and committed to finishing everything that you've given him to do, everything that you've entrusted to him to do. Um, I thank you that he would have joy in this part of his journey um, and that his relationship with you would be uh, burning bright uh, and strong, stronger even every single day. We thank you, God, that you're infinitely knowable, that we don't just arrive to someplace um, and just say, okay, I've got you figured out. But God, even now I hear the passion in Dr. Perkins' And his love for you. I thank you for that, God. And I pray that you would continue to multiply that love and draw him to yourself. Uh, thank you, God, that you have great things prepared for him. And that you will um, bless him and his family in this season in the perfect way. I pray it in the mighty matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Yes.
1: I didn't mention my latest book, Dream With Me. Yes. It's out now. It's my memoirs, and you can get it, you know, through Amazon, bookstores. And anyway, dream with me.
0: Dream with me, Dr. John Perkins. Hey, this is Tracy. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with such a special, important man, Dr. John Perkins, and his work that he's done in this world. Uh, has changed the world, and we still got a lot of work to do. And, you know, since I spoke with him, he was talking about his book, Dream With Me. Two more books have come out uh, that he has authored, one of them called One Blood, Parting Words to the Church on Race, and He Calls Me Friend, The Healing Power of Friendship in a Lonely World. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with others. We would love that. And would you please uh, subscribe and leave a review if you can, because that helps other people to find it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Your Day Brighter. And remember, when you hear uh, words of wisdom from some like someone like Dr. John Perkins, it's okay to, you know, go back and listen to it again and again, like I have. <laughs> and, you know, take notes. These conversations are meant to um, help us all to keep on growing. And there's so many amazing people in the world that are doing great things. I love sharing these conversations with you. So thanks for listening. Your Day Brighter is produced by Brighter Media Group, Tracy Tiernan and John Lawhon. Editing by Julie Gilligan. Make sure you're subscribed, leave a review, and tell us what you think of the podcast. And make sure you share it with someone who needs encouragement today. Thanks so much for listening. And tell somebody your story today. Or better yet, ask to hear their story.